Hello, my Pilates lovers. Thank you for tuning in to All Things Pilates. I'm your host, Darian Gold. Each episode, you'll get to hear a new guest share his or her knowledge, insights, and experiences. Together, we explore the ongoing evolution of the Pilates method, as well as its connection to other modalities, such as gyrotonic, yoga, podiatry, and chiropractic. I now present to you the many aspects of this beautiful, complex, and life-affirming discipline. In the 1940s and 1950s, when the New York dance community heard about Joseph Pilates and his magical method, they flocked to his 8th Avenue studio. Whether a dancer needed to get back into shape, prepare for a dance role, or to rehabilitate from an injury, the Pilates method produced results. So in 1953, when an injured dancer named Kathy Grant met and began lessons with Joseph Pilates, she too experienced his mastery and was so inspired, her second career as a Pilates educator would soon take root. Here to tell us more about Kathy Grant's life and her contribution to the Pilates community is our guest today, Kara Reeser, one of Kathy's students and closest friends. Kara is a second-generation instructor from the Kathy Grant lineage and continues to impart the method as taught to her by Kathy. Besides teaching at her studio, Pilates Aligned in Denver, Colorado, she travels the world to teach her very popular workshops. You can also see Kara on Pilates Anytime, the membership-based website, Teaching and Discussing the Heritage Training. In 2013, she partnered with Pilates Anytime and produced a 40-minute documentary about Kathy Grant's life as a dancer, Pilates teacher, and educator. But for many listeners who aren't subscribers, I've asked Kara to share more details about her mentor, Kathy, her unique way of explaining the body's potential, and Kara's own special relationship with her. Kathy would often tell Kara and her other students that because every body was unique, each student deserved to be treated uniquely. Kara agrees that we are all individual, and as Pilates teachers, we must first look at the body in front of us. Not only does Kara continue to keep Kathy's vision alive, but has developed her own science-based platform with the help of colleague and physical therapist Jeremy Lavender. Their continuing education program is called Movement Science Made Simple. They look at the original Pilates method through a new lens and apply the latest scientific evidence to their teachings of biomechanics, motor skills, and pain relief. Kara believes the Pilates method is the perfect vehicle to help people manage their physical limitations and various conditions that impede their quality of life. She knows her role as a Pilates educator is to be as useful as possible and to serve her clients with integrity and honesty. Calling in from Denver, Colorado, is Kara Reeser. Hello, Kara. Hello, Darian. How are you? I'm well. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks for having me. It's my pleasure. Kara, how and when did you meet Kathy Grant? I met Kathy in um, 1990 
the first day of my work as a graduate student at Tisch School of the Arts in the dance program and the master's degree program. So Kathy at that time and for many years after taught at the School of the Arts and she taught what she called back then sort of a morning bar class. I think she took that name from Zina Ramet. And it was a Pilates-based warm-up class for us before we started the day with ballet and then modern and rehearsals and everything else we did at the School of the Arts. And so the very first day of school, of my master's training, the very first class was that morning class with Kathy Grant, and that's how I met her. How did you feel after that class? That class was actually interesting for me because I was recovering from a, um, a pretty debilitating injury where I had fractured my spine in multiple places on a fall. And I was about a year and a half out of that accident, and my intention was to go to the School of the Arts to basically get back on my feet and, and try to dance again without sort of being in the public eye. So that very first class, actually, Kathy immediately recognized that I was injured, even though I was faking it really well and had passed all of the auditions and received a scholarship to get into the program. She, with her x-ray eyes and her sense of the body and, and the human, recognized immediately that something was off and gave me uh, a note to come see her that evening in her studio. So I actually had an anxiety attack the entire full day because I thought, boy, I'm going to be in trouble here because I had had not reported to the university that I had suffered such a bad accident. I mean, I, I would have never gotten in if, if I had. So so I found it actually very um, anxiety-provoking to meet Kathy at first, but then it became really the thing that, that made me dance again, changed my life, and became a, a relationship that taught me many, many things beyond Pilates and movement. She kept your secret, didn't she? She did indeed. Yes, she did. She kept my secret. She promised to keep my secret that, so that the department wouldn't be biased towards me um, as long as I studied with her on a daily basis. She became your teacher, mentor, and friend. What was that like for you? It's an interesting question. I mean, you know, Kathy's dead and died in, in 2010, but she's with me all the time. I mean, I hear her voice when it comes to making decisions around relationships. I hear her voice when it comes to making decisions around professional activities. I hear her voice when it comes to making decisions about my own body and, you know, how to kind of work on, you know, issues that come up. So she's still my teacher, my friend, and my mentor, actually. What was it like? You know, it was, it was like anything else. It was an evolution. At the beginning, she was just a lady who I went and took Pilates lessons with. I mean, sort of not the way you guys imagine Pilates lessons today, but I went to this Pilates studio and did my practice with her there. And the, the evolution of becoming friends was, a lot of the students were friends with Kathy. You know, she would have tickets for a dance concert and she would invite us to go with her. or She would need help doing laundry at the end of the day or cleaning up the studio and we would stick around and help her. And so over time, I became a student who did things socially with her. Um, the mentor part was much later. It was after I became a Pilates instructor and was living in Colorado, and I started to then actually be quite curious about what had Kathy, what what she was had, had done for me. And you know, I was looking at it from a different lens. I was now teaching Pilates, and I was like, oh no, I need to now study with this person it, by watching her teach, basically, which is what I went back to New York very often and did. She sounds very approachable. 
Well, she was my teacher, so yes. I mean, I don't know that she would have felt approachable to everybody once Pilates became something that was an industry and there was conferences and stuff. I think that those were, could be kind of stressful times for her. But her job was to to keep dancers dancing and, and other artists and other people who came to her studio. But the Tisch dancers were... It was her job to keep us together and to keep us from injury and to keep us dancing. I mean, that was the agreement. So she was completely dedicated to me and the process of keeping me on stage and and pain-free. Yeah, absolutely. I'm wondering, speaking of injuries, when Kathy first met Mr. Pilates after her knee surgery or surgeries, did she ever tell you about the program he put together for her? She talked about a little bit. I mean, the, the, the kind of story that she told the most, uh, there was two funny stories she told about working with Mr. Pilates. But the primary story she told was that she went in, you know, she had had two operations on the same knee and she was still in a lot of pain and she wasn't able to train very well. And she got to Mr. Pilates' studio through uh, the great Martha Graham dancer, Pearl Lang, who told her to go. And she said, you know, she got in there and he kind of grumbled and put her in an upright standing position and aligned her legs and, you know, whatnot, and told her to stand there. And she said, you know, like a good dancer, she stood there until he came back. And she said, I felt like he, you know, left me standing there for quite some time. And she said, he came back and he said, so what did you learn? And she said, well, Mr. Pottis, I've only been standing here. And he said, well, then today you learned how to stand. Oh, I love that. And then he went on, she would tell the story about how he would give her these visualizations that when he was, she was stepping, she was like pulling a string from her heel forward and, you know, various sort of imagery-based trainings for her to start getting her gait back and getting her stance back. He He was very, very clear with her that if she wasn't able to do everyday functional movements in a way that were, you know, kind of sustainable, that she wasn't going to dance again. And the goal was, for all of us back then, was to dance. Did she heal completely? Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, she went on to... She went on to dance, and she rode bikes, and yeah, 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 she healed completely. I mean, you know, we all have arthritis and things that come up after injuries as we age, but Kathy was extremely physically agile in her late, mid-80s before she died, absolutely. As a black dancer in America in the 1950s, Kathy had many challenges in her dance career, but she went on to accomplish so much. I wanted you to share with us some of her successes. You know, we started dancing in New York. The, the opportunities that were available for Black American dancers at the time were in these sort of nightclub sort of entertainment settings. And so she did that type of, you know, what I refer to as like circuit dancing or cabaret dancing. It was mostly Black dancers for white audience only type of thing. And she she toured. I think that the, the, the thing that changed for Kathy, it was a chance when she got a chance through an empresario in Europe to go with Claude Michon, Michon to, to Europe and perform. And this was the first time she felt really free, being in Europe as a black woman, being out out of the sort of racial divide. 
And by the time she came back, it was on the heels of the civil rights movement, the feminist movement. And, you know, she was, she pioneered a lot. She helped start Dance Center Harlem with Arthur Mitchell on a grant. She directed the Clark Center, which was a, um, a budding studio for minority dancers. She was the first black woman to sit on the National Endowment of the Arts, which I know she was extremely proud of. Her performance career ended when she came back, and she didn't continue dancing after her knee injury. She went on to teach and went on to work behind the scenes in the dance world, all of which she was very proud of, but she was also held back. You know, as, as all women and certainly people of color were at that time and still are, frankly. She achieved a lot. Um, she contributed a lot, I think is more what I'd want to say. She brought up a lot of black American dancers into confidence into, you know, giving them that first home at the Clark Center. And I, I know she loved being able to facilitate behind the scenes in those ways. From your years of working and learning from her, what was the most impactful for you? I don't know if I can say that there was one most impactful thing. I mean, I think that what I am left with is a, a teacher who, a mentor and friend who, was so humble and so just dedicated to the work itself. Not grandstanding, never wanted to be famous, never wanted to be a big shot, just wanted to do the work, keep learning. I think that's really been impactful for me, that she was always a learner. Um, She always took workshops. She always updated her material. And that's very much how I work today. And I'm sure that I was inspired by watching Kathy do the same. She developed her own series of exercises and stretches that were designed to be a precursor of Mr. Pilates' mat work, and she called it Before the Hundred. Can you explain this program? Basically, Kathy's job at the School of the Arts was twofold. She had the classes that she taught in the morning, in the big dance studios where all the department students were required to attend a certain amount of those. And then she had the full day up in the studio where she taught us in the studio, collectively, not not private like, like people do today, but like three or four of us in the studio working on our particular programs based on what was going on. But the classroom, what Kathy did is she, she basically spent the entire semester teaching the students how to get get to and perform the Pilates mat work. So she broke the material down into segments, into skills, into um, motor training segments. And by the end of the semester, you actually would have, you would perform the Pilates mat work for her. But you, you spent the whole semester learning those exercises, broken down into pieces, using, you know, different methods to kind of get the tension levels for the exercises right, to get the motivation from the, of the exercises right, to get the intention right. I think you know, it was a very smart pedagogical decision. It was kept it interesting. It kept us really adapting, which I think was a big part of it as dancers, and building skills and layering skills, which is much what has to happen in the dance classroom as well. So that's how she taught. That, that was how she taught group. And it wasn't until later when when the PMA happened and the industry started to become this thing that when they asked her to present, she then decided to name that what she was doing before the 100. But she she didn't really develop a program, right? She wasn't 
she taught the skillful classes and she was interested in students knowing how to organize their body and and have this, these skills that were necessary. She wasn't interested in them like doing the teaser. You know, that, that wasn't the idea. She was there to, to make us better dancers and to make us be able to survive a really rigorous training. She never really built a program. She, she made everything she made. She was creative. She was intuitive. She was spontaneous. And then at the end of her life, she then sort of grouped these things and gave them names because kind of what you had to do if you were going to go teach a conference at the PMA. So that's kind of how that all happened. She did work with non-dancers, though, did she not? Yeah, she did, but not in the classroom. And the classroom is only Tisch School of the Art dancers. That's it. It was part of the curriculum at the university. The morning classes were dancers, you know, 20, 30 dancers at a time in a group class. In In the studio, she worked with dancers, mostly. The, the School of the Arts dancers were primary. She had to take those. And then she saw some of her other clients. You know, sometimes there were older ladies or musicians or people who were actors. Matthew Broderick was a, of a student of hers at one point when he had a back injury. You know, she, she did see other people, but the, the requirement at the School of the Arts was that she see all the students who needed her. And when she was at Bendel, she saw, you know, a lot of dancers, too. She was worked with the Paul Taylor's dancers. She was working with Alvin Ailey's dancers. She was still working with DTH dancers. So, you know, I would say in that Bendel studio was still also a lot of dancers. And Henry Bendel, Bendel's, yes. at that time was sort of like Bloomingdale's? Probably, yeah, high-end, yeah, high-end department store. Mm-hmm, exactly. And, and there was a studio somewhere in the store? Uh, yeah, there was a studio. Uh, so Mr. Bendel's uh, wife was a student of Mr. Pilates, and she asked her husband to build her studio in the department store, in the built studio there. And so Mr. Pilates outfitted that. I think that was in like 60, it was just before he died, so 64, 65. Mr. Pilates set up that, that studio in Bendel's. She was busy. Yeah, well, she Kathy took that studio over from, I forget this woman's name now, which is terrible, but the, the woman who taught at Bendel at one point went on strike with the other sort of hairstylists and that sort of crew as a sympathizer, and so she basically abandoned the Pilates studio, and at that point, Mr. Pilates was dead, and Romana was in charge, you know, so to speak, and she asked Kathy to take over, so that's how Kathy ended up at Bendel's. What did Kathy mean when she would often say, move, but don't move? Yeah, so when you're working with Kathy, she was using the method, from my perspective, of, of, of imagery first, right? Um, some people take that from the lineage of Mabel Todd and Louis Weidgard, called ideokinesis. But basically, if, her feeling was that if you had a, a relevant tension pattern or your strategy for a movement wasn't effective or sustainable or a good one, that she didn't want you to do the movement because you were just going to reinforce this this maybe habit that was, wasn't serving your goals. So she would like us to visualize, basically, to visualize ourselves doing the movement prior to doing the movement. Now, this is a very, you know, this, this is a tradition that's steeped in functional anatomy and the work of Lubu Swigard and Irene out and Andre Bernard and Barbara Clark, and now people know the work sort of through the lens of Eric Franklin. But 
these dancers in New York were exposed to all of this stuff. And this is something that, that Kathy brought to the Pilates studio very fully was this idea that you, in order to change a pattern, you had to you know, fully embody yourself. You had to calm down. You had to connect with your breath. You had to modulate your tension. And sometimes, especially if you were in pain, sometimes it was best just to visualize the work, um, the movements prior to doing them. And, and, and current science, in motor learning science, like completely supports that theory as a way of changing movement patterns that are not effective or building new movement strategies through the motor learning process. So, you know, whether she was way ahead of her time or those guys all just sort of understood that, I don't know. But it's it's certainly a known strategy that's used in rehab and in professional training of professional athletes. So it's a good one. It's It's sort of like deconstructing the repertoire and going inside first mentally so you can sense, so there's that somatic. You know, Darian, I, I, I think that the, the, the idea that the repertoire was forward of Mr. Pilates' experience of teaching the individual is, is a little bit problematic. He didn't teach the repertoire only. He didn't teach Kathy the repertoire. He taught Kathy how to stand and then how to walk. It's exactly the same as what she did, what I do, what most Pilates teachers do in their studio, which is use that that method to serve the individual. And if you're teaching somebody from a performance perspective, yeah, maybe you teach them the whole the whole shebang right there. But I think I think he deconstructed the method. He made the method. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> I think it became that. I it's not like he wrote the manual and then followed the manual. You know, so so I think she did. Exa- I think she did exactly what he did. I mean, think about the way he works with Eve Gentry. You know, right. trying to recover her from her mastectomy. You know, it's it's the same. It's the same. So yes, she she broke the material down. She worked with the nervous system as he did. I'm sure of it. She worked with injured people as he did, and she knew what they were scared and they were. They had a lot of narrative around their pain. She would create the most simple experience for them to start to untangle those loops that we get in when we're recovering. And it was extremely effective. It was brilliant, actually. It was brilliant. And and I went on to dance, like, way beyond um, my years. And I was told I would never dance again. And I attribute all of that to the to the retraining that, and the work that Kathy taught me, for sure. And and her approach to the Pilates method, specifically. Yes, and her, well, her approach to... The body. The body, and, yeah. I mean, her approach to the Pilates method, yes, her way of using the Pilates method, the way of her using the equipment. I mean, the Pilates method is complicated, right? Is it just a... The exercises? Is it the equipment? Right. Is it the point of view? Is it the mind, body, spirit connection? Is it the. There's a lot to that. But yes, she was a Pilates teacher. She she taught on the equipment he built for Bendels. And somebody who just got out of a classical training program, training, recognized every exercise Kathy taught in the studio? Of course not. No, because she was inventing and creating based on the body in front of her, what it needed to be able to do that it was having trouble with. I do hope you'll come back and talk about the movement science made simple 
scientific approach to the body. I can't wait to have you back, if that's okay, if you will. Yeah, 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 but, of course, but of course. I mean, yeah, I have one more question. I have one more topic. question for yeah. you. In line with what we were just saying about Kathy, all of that we know today about the body, for the most part, did Mr. Pilates get it right? Did he create something brilliant? That equipment and this idea of creating um, exercise programs for, for individuals? Yeah, I mean, do I think that the that those exercises alone are are more magical than other types of exercises? No, <laughs> not necessarily. You know, there are exercises that have been around forever. You know, I mean, they yeah. come out of the the old gymnasium and the old calisthenics work. But did he create a system and an environment and an opportunity? Yes, he would be because he was inventive and creative and interested. And Kara, and how um, can people yeah. reach you quickly? How can they reach you? How can they reach me? I Kara, uh, I don't even know the name of my website. CC Research. <laughs> I don't know. Pilates dot com. That's what it is. Kara Research. Yeah. Kara Research. Okay. And please come back and talk about movement science made simple. You bet. Okay. Thank you so much for your time, Kara. You're welcome. All right. All right, everybody. Please have a great week and make sure you lift your head and lift your spine because you know they will lift your spirit.